you're ready to stop submitting basic applications and winging your interview for your next nursing role, whether you're a graduate nurse or a seasoned healthcare professional, we'd love to exclusively invite you to our secret nurse growth hub, where you can get all of the support to apply, interview and land your next nursing role completely free. All of the resources that we've shared and created over the last three years that have helped 3,000 plus nurses internationally apply, interview and land their next nursing role. So what are you waiting for? Come and join us today. It's completely free. LiamCaswell.com forward slash NGH. Come and join the Nurse Growth Hub today and let's make applying, interviewing and landing your next nursing role easy. listening to the High Performance Nursing Podcast with me, Liam Caswell, where I help clinicians just like you take control of their careers and remove all the things stopping you from achieving your biggest goals. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to the High Performance Nursing Podcast. Thank you so much for spending your time with us here today. Today you've got the two Liams. Liam Jackson, welcome to the podcast. Liam, welcome. <laughs> Thank you so much, Liam, for having me. It is a pleasure. Always love a fellow Liam coming on the podcast. I think you're the first Liam, actually, so we'll take that, except from me, of course. (laughs) You're Liam 1, I'm Liam 2. Oh, we've got to be equal. (laughs) Liam C and Liam J. Sure. Yes, yes. Cool. Let's dive into this. So let me tell you a little bit about Liam, because he's pretty awesome. So Liam is a registered nurse and midwife who specializes in pediatric complex care. Having worked up and down the east coast of Australia, he strives to provide high-quality, evidence-based practice to all his patients and their families. With a master's in paediatric nursing and mental health, Liam is continuing his education to become a maternal child health practitioner, focusing on involving all members of the family in the holistic growth and development of babies and children. He has future aspirations to become a nurse practitioner in child and youth health. I love that. How does it feel when somebody like talks back to you like your life vision and your career why <laughs> uh, it's it's I, I always think oh, is that me? <laughs> I was like I was like who's this person that they're talking about I was like they sound pretty cool but I don't know I feel like there's been there's been so many things that I've done um, over my kind of career as a nurse and becoming a midwife and I feel um, when I have to kind of summarize that it can, I either, because I don't want to, I don't want to go on and on and on, but I often find that I summarize it and then it's, it's always something very short. It's like, mm. Liam is a nurse and a midwife, the end. Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, I, I don't think I'm anything too special. I just think that um, a person should just be mm. who they are and if they, are able to do kind of good things and that's great and yeah at the end of the day I just think you know I'm a nurse I'm a midwife I'm here to help people that's what I got into for the business it's definitely not the pay or (laughs) it's definitely not the not the great work-life balance that a lot of other jobs might have so so, yeah yeah. I can relate to that I think it's always nice having someone introduce you and talk about what you've achieved because I do think you touched on a point there I do think as nurses we do undersell ourselves and we do go down that path of like, oh, I'm just here to help. Like, that's just my thing. And it's like, we do so much amazing work. And, you know, I'd love to learn more about what it is that you do day to day and kind of where you are before we do tell us about your career to this point. So tell us kind of your journey. I love hearing kind of where people come from, why they choose nursing and midwifery and tell us all the things. So, I got into nursing first and I think I always wanted to work with children and I think kind of up to like year 10, year 11, I really wanted to be a high school teacher. And then I went into year 11, year 12, so like senior years of high school and I realised that perhaps high school teaching just wasn't for me. I just felt like I would have probably made a really bad high school teacher (laughs) and I still really wanted to work with youth. I really wanted to kind of help young people. And I really love science. I really love like chemistry, biology. So I thought of ways I could kind of involve 
sort of science, but then working with youth. And then I really liked teaching and educating as well. So I was trying to find the ultimate goal, draw a career to really make sure I combined all those aspects. And I think nursing really wasn't a job that came to mind straight away because I come from a family of nurses. Like my mum's a nurse. Mm. One of my grandmothers was a nurse. I have a few aunties that are nurses. And I think because it was such a such a prominent job within my family, I just kind of overlooked it. And I think also the fact that, like, I didn't really know many men who went into the nursing field. I didn't really know many men who kind of went out and, potentially like went and became a kid's nurse or became a midwife. So I think maybe that's why I didn't originally think of it. But then I ended up talking to my career counsellor and a few of my teachers and we all kind of came to the standpoint of I loved helping people, I loved looking after people and I really wanted to be in a position where I'm able to give back the community and give back to other people. So I looked at doing nursing. Originally, I wanted to do nursing and midwifery, but I was originally from Queensland and Mm. doing a double degree wasn't very common up there. So I ended up doing a straight Bachelor of Nursing. When did I finish that? I finished that in 2016. So this is Mm. six years of nursing I've been doing so far. So I did my Bachelor of Nursing through Queensland University of Technology up in Brisbane. And then I was very lucky to have gotten a new grad job at the Children's Hospital in Brisbane. But actually, that wasn't my first role as a nurse because when new grad jobs came around, I actually didn't get one the first time. I was put on a wait list and then actually had to wait until kind of six months later. Mm. And I was what we call a mid-year grad. So I started in August, six months after I graduated. And throughout that time, I actually worked in aged care Mm. and I did aged care, palliative care, which is very different to what I do now. I'm a paediatric nurse. And apart from that six month stint of being an aged care nurse, I've only ever worked with children or Mm. pregnant women. So it's, it's really interesting to see how, although I originally started in a very, very, very different role, to what I wanted to do because throughout my whole nursing degree I knew I wanted to be a kid's nurse and then I graduated and then I didn't originally get a job and I applied for all sorts of places. I applied for clinics, I applied to work in a prison, I applied for aged care and I got an aged care job and I kept on thinking, oh, this is temporary, this is temporary, I'll, I'll wait till mid-year, I'll, make, I'll wait till mid-year, I'll wait for the wait list. But I actually really loved that role. I actually really enjoyed it, which surprised me because it was something completely different to to what I wanted. Mm. And then I ended up getting accepted into the kids' hospital, which was a very proud moment for me because I always wanted to work at the kids' hospital. And then I moved on and I did my new grad at the kids' hospital, worked all over, did some general paediatrics, did some respiratory some kids cancer ward and everything like that so I learned lots within my grad year to the point that afterwards I then went on to the pediatric intensive care unit in Queensland Children's Hospital and I was there for about six months and I really loved it really enjoyed it it was quite nerve-wracking to begin with maybe into a very very complicated very intense like look it's it's in the name of the unit intensive care Mm. and I was a bit taken aback at the start, but I had a really great team and we really worked together, which was good. And I decided to move to Sydney to ideally pursue midwifery because it was very common to do postgraduate midwifery in New South Wales. So I moved down to New South Wales and worked at the kids' hospital in Sydney in kids' cancer again, which was nice going back there with all those lovely children who you kind of build a relationship with over the course of their treatment. Mm. And then I became a midwife in 20, oh, when was it? 2019, 2020, I became a midwife through Westmead in, in Western Sydney. And then during COVID, I decided to make the move to Melbourne. And it was actually quite funny because up on my Facebook pop today that it's a year ago to the date that I moved to Melbourne today. So I have lived in Melbourne for a year now, working originally as a midwife 
the Royal Women's Hospital. And then a few months ago, I got this nurse coordinator role. And currently I'm nurse coordinator in complex care with their school care, home care training program, where I go out and educate schools on children who have complex healthcare needs Mm. and do training in the schools for um, whatever medical needs they may need. And then also I'm an infection control nurse coordinator here at the Children's Hospital as well. I love that. You've been super, super busy. So cool. So busy, 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 busy. And then casual shifts as a midwife every now and then and working on post-grad and all sorts of stuff and trying to get my finger in every piece of pie there is. And And do (laughs) too busy almost. Yeah, and do all the things. I love that so much because what you just talked about there is what we always talk about on the podcast, which is this idea of like sampling, trying all the things, putting your fingers in all the pies and doing all of the different things. That's a gross analogy, but I'll use it because it came to mind. But, you know, really just allowing yourself at the start of your career to just pivot, change, transition. But you also had a goal, like you knew where you wanted to go. And I hear this a lot from, in particular, graduates. It's this idea that if you don't land your first graduate program that you apply for, that it's the end of the world and that you're never, ever going to make it. Did those thoughts come up for you at the start when that kind of happened? I was kind of shocked in a way because I always had really great feedback during placement from my clinical facilitators, from my lecturers from kind of everyone at university. I wasn't like, I wasn't the best student. I had a good GPA. I graduated really well. I graduated with distinction. I I had really good feedback reports and like appraisal reports. And my NSAT record was always above expectation. So at first I was very surprised, but obviously Mm -hmm. it's very competitive Mm -hmm. for anyone, I think, getting a new grad job. And the whole process can be quite daunting and with the int- like with the applications and the resume writing and writing a cover letter. And I feel like we weren't really taught that sort of stuff in uni. We were taught how to be nurses, but we weren't really taught how to get a nursing job per se. Mm. We weren't given those sort of soft skills. And I went straight into uni from high school with my only job prior kind of being like, you know, I worked at Kmart, I was checking out Chica Kmart (laughs) throughout uni and it was just hard because by the time I graduated my bachelor's degrees, I was I had only just turned twenty. I was like nineteen, twenty in my last year. Mm. So still quite young and hadn't really had many job interviews, have never really had to kind of write a resume or write a cover letter or really had to kind of do any of that. So I think that was kind of the shock Mm. and that was kind of what held me back originally. And I had asked for like feedback when I hadn't gotten a grad job the first, first time around. And it wasn't necessarily that I had done something wrong or that I had missed something. It was just always, oh, there was more, there's better suited candidates or there was more, more people were better prepared, basically. Mm. So then I, I think I really took that and I really worked with it. And over that kind of six months between the kind of start of year intake and the mid-year intake when I reapplied, I really worked hard and, and I looked at refining my resume and I talked to like mentors that I had in the past and old preceptors that I kept in touch with from placement. And I talked to my mom and I talked to my dad and I talked to my sister and I talked to like my aunties who were nurses as well. And I talked to people who I knew who worked in healthcare to kind of refine my approach and to refine my resume Mm. and even practicing, like even something simple as practicing interviews, being like, what are you going to ask me? What do you think they'll ask me? Go through scenarios because I just had that practice before because Mm. I was so young and I went into healthcare so young. So when I re-went for the job, because it was the same couple of jobs I went for the first time, I re-went for them. And it was like the same sort of panel. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. are they going to remember me? Are they going to remember that I bombed my interview? And are they going to remember? <laughs> are they going to be like, oh, he didn't get it last time. He won't get it this time. But I was, I was very happy mm-hmm. that I went back. Because I think some people would potentially not go back. I think 
and talking to students now when I precept to students and when I look after students, I have a lot who come through and they're really worried about the whole graduating, getting a grad year. And I think they kind of doubt themselves and their abilities. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if they were to potentially be told or like be rejected the first time, I don't know if they'll necessarily want to go back and try again. Uh, which is quite sad, but I think it's just kind of the understanding that if you don't get a grad job the first time, it's very unlikely you'll get one the second time. But I feel like I'm very lucky and I feel like I'm living proof Mm. in the fact that, Mm. yes, you might not succeed straight away. And yes, it's not the best feeling getting that rejection email. Like they don't even give you a phone call, you get that little rejection email. Mm -hmm. And to then have to think, oh, crap, I've just spent three or four or however many years studying to become a nurse and you have this degree, you have this debt, you have this piece of paper and then you wonder, what am I going to do now? I don't have a job. Mm. I don't have something to show for it. And, yeah, it's not nice Mm. and you do feel like crap, but I feel like if you let it, if you let it define you and if you stop there, then you're never going to know if it was just that one interview that you weren't prepared for or if you could have changed your approach or if you could have refined your resume or if you could have done the interview a bit differently. I think people these days need to really realise that they do have the strength Mm -hmm. and they do have the courage. They just need to find it and they just need to put themselves out there and gain that confidence and getting back on the horse. Yeah. That's such valuable advice. And I think that what you touch on there is the reason why my kind of graduate career launch program was born to help graduates at that stage. And I've sat on the panel side, I've been a nurse for over 10 years, I know what they're looking for. And you're right, it's so funny, it's so interesting. We've just closed the doors to the graduate career launch program for this this year, this intake. And everybody's looking for the same thing, right? Great killer applications, cover letter selection criteria interview but what i'm noticing is a key theme is really that mindset and how you set up how you set yourself up as you move through this process because like you say it's kind of like the missing semester uni doesn't teach you it life doesn't teach you it until you get that no Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you've failed and i'm using quotation marks you've failed and you then make that mean something about your capabilities moving forwards and i love what you talked about liam and the fact that you had a moment and you felt it and you processed it and then you moved through it and you decided intentionally, right, well, I can't get into peds right now, but I'm going to go and get some experience and I'm going to remind myself it's temporary and coach myself through that and I'm going to try again and I'm going to pick myself back up. There's such power in that message for people listening because I do feel like we put a lot of weight onto that one amazing program that in all reality might not happen. It may not happen. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not capable of doing that in the future. I completely agree in the fact that I think obviously everyone has their kind of dream career. And like I said, I went into nursing straight away, wanting to work for children, wanting to work with youth. And yeah, I had that really set in my mindset. And obviously I was devastated that I didn't get offered that straight away. But then I looked, like I said, I looked and I wondered what could set me apart from everyone else in the next six months. And I thought to myself, they would not want to even look at my application if they see that I haven't even tried Mm -hmm. to do anything Mm -hmm. in the last six months. And I wanted to really show that I had put in a decent effort. And if I had not got it that second time, then I had known that at least I had tried and at least I had done everything in my power to try and do it. So that's why I applied for all sorts of nursing jobs, RN jobs, and I took an RN job in aged care, even though it wasn't necessarily my area mm. of specialty that I wanted to get into. And although the complete opposite end of the spectrum in terms of age and what I wanted to do, I wanted to work in acute paediatric inpatient unit in the tertiary pediatric hospital and then I ended up working in this really lovely like aged care home very subacute ambulatory community-based sort of program and it was just so lovely though because what I learned there was completely invaluable and I feel that when I was able to 
have that interview the second time when they were asking me scenarios and they were like asking me scenarios about, oh, what would you do in this clinical scenario where five different things are happening on the ward and you have to delegate mm. or you kind of have to prioritise the care. And I was like, well, that happens every day in aged care. I was like, you walk into the aged care home and there's six things going on and you're the only registered nurse, enrolled nurse, you're the only mm. registered staff member in that whole entire facility. And I was like, within that six months, I easily like how to delegate, how to help manage a team. I helped manage all these PCWs, like all these mm. assistant nurses and personal care workers and all sorts of things. Like I learned so much in that six months that although it's not directly related to mm. what my ultimate goal was to be a children's nurse, it still has helped me even to this day, mm. over six years later in my nursing career, in terms of leadership management, coaching of a staff, helping to run not just my four patient load in the hospital, but to help run a facility. Mm. So I would never trade those six months back. I think it's made me a much well-rounded and more holistic nurse by being able to look at not just the patients I look after in the hospital on any one given day, but to kind of think big picture about the healthcare system and what a nurse's role is within the healthcare system. Yeah, I love that so much. Such power in that experience and, and no experience, whether it's for a week, whether it's for a day, whether it's for six months or six years, it's all valuable and shapes you as an individual and a human and as a clinician moving forward. I love that. And look at you now. You know, you made it happen. You made your dream happen mm. because you got to work. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously you've moved through pediatrics, you've moved between states and territories, and then you're now sitting in a space where you do pediatrics, dream job, pediatric role, and midwifery. So talk to us about midwifery and coming into midwifery as a male. I was looking at some stats today, like these stats are probably, I think they're a bit old, but it's like 1.6% of the midwifery population in Australia. You might be able to correct me there. Yeah, no, yeah, it should still be around there. I remember I registered, oh, when did I register? I registered around like 2020, I think. So yeah, only two years ago. Mm. And around then there was less than 500 yeah. midwives in Australia who identified as male. So that would equivalent, yeah, I think like 1.67% or something. I don't know, it's less than 2% of the midwives in Australia identifying as male. So, yeah, very, very small mm. kind of delegation. <laughs> I remember I remember in nursing school there was a few men in my class, like in my cohort. Mm. Like I wasn't a rarity. There was definitely more than me. I have a few colleagues that I still keep in touch with from uni who were male nurses. But when I did midwifery, it was very, very different. Mm. So in my cohort, I did a graduate diploma of midwifery through Western Sydney University in Western Sydney. That took a year. And in my cohort, there was originally myself and another man. And then he ended up dropping out, I think, mm. I think two months into the course. I'm not sure why. I never I never really talked to him because he was based at a different clinical location to myself. But after that, I became the only man in our cohort. And there was, oh, I think there was about 50 of us. So I was one in 50. Wow. And that works out, doesn't it? One in 50 is about 2%, mm, isn't it? That's quick maths. That's too quick for me. <laughs> yeah. So look, that works out with the Australian statistics through APRA. So yeah, so yeah, there's about 50 people in my cohort and I was the only man. So yeah, it was, it was a bit different. I knew I always wanted to do it because I wanted to do the double mm. degree when I started nursing. But at that time, there was only really one university which offered it um, in Queensland um, and I had got um, early admission into another university who had only recently stopped midwifery. So I did a few years of nursing first. I think I was a nurse for probably about three, four years. And then I realised that I still really wanted to do midwifery. I really loved looking after children, but I really wanted to look, look after and understand more about pregnancy, sort of women going through that journey and sort of having the babies and learning more 
about what happens in those sort of mm. first few weeks because I would find working on the paediatric wards in the numerous hospitals would sometimes get like week old babies like five six days old like had they had been born at the maternity hospital across the street had kind of been looked after there discharged home spent one or two days at home the midwife who visits them at home picks something up and it's like oh mm. have to go back to hospital they don't go back to the hospital they're born at they go back to the kids hospital and then I'm looking after this six-day-old baby and although I know the differences between adults and children and infants I had never really looked after babies Mm. that young or that fresh and I hadn't realized how much they have to still rely completely on their their mother and how their mother would always ask me questions about like breastfeeding and lactation and can I do this can I do that is this good for baby is that good for baby I was having babies coming back and they still had their umbilical cord clamp on and I was like I have no Mm. idea I've never looked after this before and I was like oh I was like I was like how can I best look after this population that I was seeming to um, see more and more often Mm. and then I thought look I had been a nurse for three or four years already I was like it's not really practical to go back and do another batch I was like I don't have time to do another two three years of uni but very very luckily they offer a program in Sydney where you, if you are already a registered nurse, you just do 12 months in a graduate diploma. Mm. And uh, very lucky through Sydney, you're actually employed by New South Wales Health and you're actually paid for part of your placement. So I didn't have to forego paid work, which again, I think was another big sort of barrier for me originally wanting to do midwifery again. I, mm. I don't think there's any program apart from the one in New South Wales. I know they don't offer it in Queensland and I don't think they offer it in Victoria anymore. Mm. So I did that in Sydney and I, and I loved the program. It was really good. It was very hands-on. Like I did uni one day a week and I worked four days a week on the maternity wards and in the birth suite. And mm. I worked with many great midwives and I even worked with a few male midwives as well in Western Sydney, which was lovely because although there wasn't any other men in my class, I kind of felt not concerned, but I was like, I was like, what are my options? I was like, what happens when I graduate? I was like, there's no other men in our mm-hmm. class. And then this was before I had started placement and started to see all these other male midwives. I was like, I haven't seen any male midwives. I was like, do they exist? I was like, and then I had I had known that a lot of men who did midwifery would end up doing like retrieval, like aeronautical retrieval and aeromedical retrieval, like work for RFDS and care flight and stuff like that. But I hadn't really seen many male midwives working like in an internatal clinic or working on the postnatal ward or in those sort of areas. But then when I started my placement in Western Sydney, I think I saw men in every area in the birth suite mm. on the internatal ward and internatal clinics. So it was good to kind of see that representation mm. and to kind of know that there was those options out there for me, which before I kind of even started midwifery. I've never known of any male midwives or I had never seen anyone do it. And, yeah, it was good to kind of see that representation out there, Mm. to know that men can do it, that men want to do it, and that men are actually really good at it. Like I realised that we were able to really just focus on the care. Like it's not like if you're a man or a woman, midwife it's just you're there to care Mm. and I had some lovely male midwife mentor talk to me one time saying when I was a cancer nurse I was able to provide best care even though I've never had cancer Mm. and he used to be an orthopedic nurse and he was like I was able to provide great care to all the patients I looked after and I never broke a bone in my body so why should it matter if you're a man or if you're a woman you're still able to provide really great maternity care Mm. and really great woman-centered care to women going through pregnancy and birth and that 
that journey without ever having done it or experienced it yourself. And I think that's always really stuck with me mm. and it's really resonated with me. And just, yeah, whenever I might doubt myself or doubt my position or doubt my belonging within the profession, because every now and then there'll be people who who might have comments or might question why a man would want to work in the maternity field. But I always just realise that at the end of the day I'm there to help people, to help mm. women and their families and their partners on their journey. And I know that I don't need to have experienced it or gone through it myself to know that I can be empathetic and caring. Mm. What great advice. That's such a beautiful way of looking at it. And I'm just thinking of all the things that I tell myself and I hear other people tell themselves all the time. And it's so true. Like, why you don't have to have experienced it. You can just deliver the best optimal care. I think that's beautiful. I am curious because, I mean, I've got, like, we all have lots of friends. And in particular, I have a, a couple of nursing colleagues that I remember recollect saying, you know, I don't know that I'd ever like to have a male midwife. Does that come up a lot? Um, do you hear that a lot in terms of like your circle and do patients actually say that? It was actually quite funny. I was talking to some of my nursing colleagues just before when we were finishing our work day because I actually worked a casual shift as a midwife on, on the Sunday that just passed two days ago. And I worked in the birth suite and actually ended up helping a lovely lady deliver her second baby. So uh, I was kind of mm. telling them about the amazing oxytocin high that I'm still I'm still riding on. I was like, oh, I've missed working in the birth suite and I've missed having those amazing experiences. And the question does come up um, a lot from my colleagues. And I think my colleagues, because they all work in healthcare, they all understand that healthcare, it's all about the best person for the job. It's like it, should, it doesn't really matter about the gender or the sex or the sexual orientation or anything like that. They don't care who's providing the care as long as they're obviously competent and as long as they're caring and as long as they help them in their time of need, they don't really care. And the women and the patients are often the same as well. They just want to make sure that they have really good care and they just want someone who is in who's there for them in their time of need. Although that's not to say that there hasn't been times where there has been not necessarily backlash mm. but there's been some pushback because I think it's mostly coming from a cultural perspective or coming from people who might not necessarily it's not like they don't think it's a man's job but they just see it as a more so traditional yeah. female role and I think because it's not very common with only less than 2% of the midwives being male, I reckon if it was more common, they wouldn't really say anything about it or really comment about it. But I think because it's literally very rare mm. to have a male midwife, like a lot of the places I've worked, like when I worked in Sydney, I was one of probably three or four in the whole entire maternity division. And it's probably the same in Victoria now. I'm probably one of three mm. male midwives in a hospital full of black hundreds of midwives and I feel I feel that obviously everyone should have a choice in who the healthcare provider is and I obviously want to make sure that the women I work with are comfortable and that they feel safe but often it's always it's always talked about very respectfully mm. I find that people might decline having a male midwife and I'm completely fine with that i obviously know that some people have um, preferences due to many different reasons and i never i never want to question their reasons why they might have that mm. particular choice but it i think it used to get to me when i first started but that was mostly because as a like as a student as a student midwife when you have a certain amount of stuff to get signed off in your book like you have to do 30 births you have to attend all these Internatal and postnatal visits, and then I was like, if someone said, "Oh no, sorry, I would, I would like if you not be here," I was more so, I think, concerned mm. of, oh my god, when am I going to get my book signed off? I was like, I have twelve months to sign off this massive book, and I was like, when am I going to get that done? But yeah, but the vast majority of women they're very accepting and they're very open, mm. and they'll very gladly have have me come in and look after them. And I'm just very blessed that 
vast, again, a vast majority of the women are, are that kind and are willing to allow me in on mm. this very sacred and very personal journey. And yeah, I'm, I feel very, I feel very grateful every time they allow me to be involved in, mm. in the care of them and the care of their baby and the care of their family. So yeah, it's such a privilege, isn't it? To be able to offer that level of care, support, that guidance through such a life changing experience. And I definitely can relate to that when I started out over 10 years ago now being a queer person, I was like, oh my goodness, no one's going to want me to look after them. You know, like I'm getting then all the oldies are like, oh Liam, you know, like all my patients are saying, do you have a girlfriend? And I'm like, no. <laughs> you know? No. And I'm like, no. No, I don't have I'm a girlfriend. I'm far too busy for that, you know, trying to deflect it. Uh, and and trying to like, almost like hide a part of me. And, you know, it is a whole process, right? It is a whole process about showing up as who you are and being authentic in that, even just as a, as a guy in a female-dominant industry. I think that it's something that maybe we don't talk about as much. You know, we do try and like, just slot in and kind of conform and what well, I did anyway in, in the, the get-go at the start. But as I've built my career and moved through it, I do recognize that there's just so many more men coming in across the board, you know, and it used to be the whole... Like it's just us queers that are in the industry, mm. but now it's you know anybody's everybody anybody and everybody's coming in, and there used to be that perception, mm. but now it's really across the board. People from all walks of life are coming in, and I love seeing more men coming into the healthcare sector. Super empowering. I think it also offers a lot of like I said, like the representation, and I know looking after younger men and young boys being a pediatric nurse I feel like they like to see men within the hospital like I've looked after many children who are in hospital for many months with cancer treatment or post bone marrow transplant Mm. or in the intensive care unit and especially the boys and young adolescents I feel like they really want to kind of see more men represented within the hospital and they really look up to the male nurses, I think, because they know that they're caring and they're hardworking and they're kind men and it shows them good positive role models of what a man can be. Mm. And I think that's not only powerful for the children themselves, but it also shows the general public, like, yes, men men can care as well. They can mm. work in a caring female-dominated industry regardless of, like you said, if they're queer or their sexual orientation or anything like that. And I, I can feel like I was saying when I was doing nursing, um, I probably started my nursing degree almost nine years ago, like nine, ten years ago, and finished about six years ago. But I feel like even then, in that short amount of time, within ten years, I feel like the nurse, the amount of male nurses have increased mm-hmm. since then. And I feel like it's just going to increase to the point where they'll hopefully be a sort of more even distribution of gender mm. in the healthcare service or especially the nursing service because I think a lot of people are, are realising that it's okay to kind of break down those gender norms and it's okay for men to be shown as mm. caring, nurturing figures. I think I feel like our perception, especially in Australia at least, has kind of moved on to nurses are Nurses are those women who wear those starch white aprons and those little tiny hats and they kind of are the doctor's assistants. I think as nursing is starting to progress and the whole role of the nurse is starting to change, I feel like we're able to really kind of, because we're changing the perception of nursing Mm -hmm. as a whole, I think a lot of men are also finding it to be a very worthwhile career to get into because I feel like it has lots of job growth like you can start in one area and you can quite easily move around to other areas like obviously I started nursing pediatric nursing in a hospital in Brisbane Mm -hmm. and it's sent me to Sydney where I became a midwife and sent me to Melbourne Mm -hmm. where I now a nurse coordinator and I work at a big children's hospital and do midwifery on the side and I have done all these different projects, not only within Australia, but internationally as well. And I feel like 10, 15, 20 years ago, 
a lot of people used to think that nurses would just go to the hospital, work in the hospital, do the doctor's orders, do the bedpans, do those what people would think as simple tasks. But now mm. we have nurses become nurse practitioners and running their own clinic and nurses kind of running or being CEOs of massive healthcare organisations and nurses being involved in politics and everything like that. I feel like mm. the overall voice of nursing has changed very recently and I think it's going to continue to change a lot as we kind of look forward to helping to improve and reform healthcare and making sure that we can kind of improve everyone's sort of standard of living and standard mm. of health. Yeah, I love that. If there was a guy listening, which hopefully there is, hello, um, male listeners. Hello. <laughs> Even still on the podcast, I get the kind of breakdown of the percentages. And obviously, it's a nursing podcast, so it is 96, 97% female listeners. So hello, everybody. But yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting. So in terms of if there's a male listening and they're thinking about becoming a nurse or midwife, what would you say to them? I'd say just do it. Like, there's nothing holding you back. I feel... I feel the more you think about it and the more you doubt it, the more time you're wasting. And that time you could be trying to improve not only yourself, but you could be the next thing that improves healthcare. Like, you know, you could you could be the next super nurse of Australia. Like you could really make a difference, not only in your own life, but to the life of every patient that you see. And that might be working in a hospital and it might be looking after the, the four patients or however many patients you see on a day. Or you could end up running a service or a clinic where you touch hundreds, if not thousands of lives throughout your career. And I feel like by taking that step and taking that leap and trying something new and something different, and although it might be scary, although it might be nerve-wracking, you're never going to know until you try it. Mm. Yeah, it's such good advice. I think there's heaps of scope, like we've touched on here. We've just scratched the surface in terms of what is truly possible in a nursing career. And yeah, the reality is just do it. Just dive in. Come and join us. We would love to have more men in the industry for sure. <laughs> Because, you know, yeah, it helps to balance it out. And we bring just something different to the industry, right? I think we do bring something different and we challenge the norms. And, yeah, we all contribute something beautiful and positive to moving it forward. And I definitely think we need to coin that Super Nurse of Australia term. And maybe we need to run national awards for that. <laughs> I feel like maybe we pitch that to the ACN or something. <laughs> oh, look, Super Nurse of Australia 2023. Uh, okay. 2023. It's like The Bachelor on steroids or something, but just the nursing edition. <laughs> I love that. Or oh, The Voice. Like, oh, I've often thought about that. That's so funny. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Liam. I absolutely love your career. Love the lessons that you've shared with us today and the work that you're doing. It's obviously you know, super inspiring for you. And it's great to see a male, a guy in the midwifery space doing what you love doing and serving, you know, mothers, women, babies, and their partners across the sector, across the country. So thank you for what you do. Across the, yes, oh, across the East Coast, at least <laughs> we'll so take. far. Who knows? Might move out West and, and see if I can do some action in I'm Perth. Fe I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Um, I'd love to wrap up the podcast with a few rapid fire questions just to kind of jazz it up. So if you're ready, we've got a few quick questions. Yeah. So number one, what's... Shake it out, shake it out. <laughs> number one, what's the best piece of advice you've received in your career? Oh, well, oh, I think what I got from that male midwife mentor was pretty, pretty good advice. But also I'd say um, oh, to, to never give up, always keep trying. I remember one of my old preceptors from my pediatric placement as a student, when I called him upset, really upset, saying I didn't get a pediatric job the first time, he said, never give up, never get in, keep going, keep working. If you, oh, what did he say? I think he said, if you shoot for the moon, but you don't reach it, at least you'll land in the stars. 
Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so beautiful. And it really struck with me that um, I just need to keep going. I just need to pull myself up. I just need to go back bigger and better. And I just need to show them that improvement and show them what I have done mm. in those last six months that would really set me apart. And look, it ended up working, thankfully, and ended up giving me a pediatric job. And six years later, I've moved all the way down to Melbourne and now I'm now I'm a nurse coordinator in, mm. in my field and I love my life and I love my job. So yeah, so that advice was very, very beneficial. It's amazing. I love that. Now this might be hard for you. I don't know. But if you had to choose one, which would it be? Nursing or midwifery? If you could only do one moving forward, oh. which one would it be? Oh God. Oh the big questions, <laughs> Liam. The big questions. Uh. I mean, it's uh, never going to happen. So, <laughs> uh, I love both, but for a very different reason. Mm. Like, I, I think I love nursing because I can so easily move around not just the country, but uh, like around the world with nursing. It's such a versatile profession. Midwifery, on the other hand, isn't as versatile because a lot of other countries in their nursing is labour and delivery and sort of pseudo midwifery within that as well. I just love them both for very different reasons and I feel like nursing is very versatile and you can do so much in nursing across the entire gamut of nursing and healthcare Mm. where I feel midwifery is obviously very, very specialised but you can really go forth and become an expert within anything to do with women's health, prenatal care, pregnancy, birth, postnatal. I feel like midwifery allows you to use the complete scope of a midwife, whereas obviously as a nurse, depending on what state, what territory you're in, it's quite hard to get those advanced kind of nurse roles where Although you might be a nurse practitioner, you still have to have a really close relationship with a doctor in order to do certain things. Whereas as a midwife, if you're able to be a private practicing midwife, you're able to run your own clinics, you're able to look after your own women, you're able to really focus on not just midwifery as being a job, but it's it's almost a way of life. Mm. It's like a mentality that is completely different to nursing because nursing generally is about looking after unwell people, sick people, whereas midwifery is just doing what has happened for thousands and thousands of years, and that's supporting women through pregnancy Mm. and through the journey of bringing their family to fruition. And like I said, I love both of them, and I love the fact that both of them offer me very different things, which is why I love the fact I'm a dual registered nurse midwife. Mm. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could choose. It's, and it's... That's why you hate this question. <laughs> no, you don't have to pick. Oh, it's just too hard. I'm just like, oh, my God. I could probably spend five hours talking about each of them and why I love both of them. But <laughs> look, I'll have to take the Switzerland and I have to go. I have to go to the grey area and be like, look, I like both. I love it. I love that because it allows you to, yeah, that's why you do them both, right? Like that's why you do them both. Mm. And it's so refreshing for me to hear someone that absolutely loves doing both nursing and referee because often it comes up that there's one or the other that maybe they want to get rid of, you know, in my space where I'm coaching people. So I love that. I love that for you. Yeah. Final question. What is your impossible career goal? What is something you're working towards that just feels like, oh my goodness, it's just like, it feels impossible, like scary stretch goal? Well, I really want to be a nurse practitioner. I think that's very possible and that's a very achievable goal. What I like to call my guilty, my guilty sort of pleasure or my sort of, like you said, that impossible goal, like, is it potential? Like, is it something that I could potentially do or is it like a faraway dream that will They'll, they'll never catch up to. And I don't know, I've, I feel like I'd really like to like run a hospital. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like I want to be like an executive director of nursing somewhere. Yeah. 
and really make change, not necessarily just for a hospital, but for like a healthcare service, like perhaps like children's, like children's health, like a national or even maybe an international children's health Mm. provider or just sort of child health organization. Because obviously that's my passion, working with children and improving child health outcomes and improving child health promotion and sort of holistic family-centered care for children, not just within Australia, but in the international setting as well. And I feel like I'd love to kind of not just work for an organization, but run or really spearhead an organization where Mm -hmm. I'm able to be proud to work with an amazing team and uh, making sure that we improve the health outcomes for children all over the world. I love that so much. Totally possible. You heard it here first. Liam Jackson will be doing that in the next decade. It's happening. <laughs> uh, next decade. Maybe next two decades. Look, we'll, we'll be realistic. We'll be realistic. By 20, 2040, Boom. ideally. 18 years. 18 I'm years. sure the High Performance Nursing Podcast will still be here. Lock <laughs> <laughs> it down. We'll do a follow-up interview in, in 2040. And, and we'll see... <laughs> I love that so much. Love that goal. Well, thank you so much for sharing your skills, knowledge, wisdom with us here on the High Performance Nursing Podcast. It has been amazing getting to know you, Liam. I'm excited to see where you go moving forward. Liam's links to connect with Liam are all in the show notes. So I think we can get connect with you on uh, LinkedIn, on Facebook, The Male Midwife. You've got a website, themalemidwife.com. Is that right? Anything I've missed? Anywhere else? LinkedIn? Oh, Instagram, all sorts of, everything. There's links everywhere. Everywhere. Just look up my name. Love that. There's not many midwife, Liam. (laughs) Well, I'm certainly not one. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. Until next time, everybody, stay safe and stay forever curious. We'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Liam. Thanks for having me, Liam. (laughs) If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, please take a wee minute to leave a review. It would mean the absolute world to me. If you are ready to start taking action in your career and you need some support, why wait? Come and join my private Facebook community. The link is in the show notes below. Within the community, we take what we discuss in this podcast and we put it into action. Currently, I am looking for nurses who are ready to stop playing small and invest in themselves to create the life and the career they want to live. If that sounds like you, then please get in touch. Until next time, thanks for listening. Stay safe and stay forever curious, my nursing friends.